I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. And our passage can also be found in your bulletin. You can find those in your bulletin or in your pew Bible in front of you, page 987. Uh, title of this morning's message is Our Resurrection Hope. Our Resurrection Hope. So if you're able, please stand now for the reading of God's Word. And what I'm going to do with our reading, I'm going to break it into two pieces. I'll read some now and some later. So we're going to start with chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let me pray for us. Father, by your spirit, I pray that you would give us the resurrection hope of Christ. Father, thank you that the tomb is empty, that Christ is risen, that he has defeated sin and death, and therefore we have hope. Father, I pray for any who are here, gathered or online, that if they do not have this hope this morning, that you would draw them to yourself, give them the hope of Christ, and that they might turn to you in faith and repentance. Father, give us hope, hope in the face of death that only Christ could give. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Are you one of those people who, when you are reading an intense book or watching an intense cliffhanger TV series, you ruin it by flipping to the back of the book to see what happens or by getting online and looking up this series on Wikipedia to see what happens in later in the later episodes. Anybody here who does this? Raise your hands in shame. Anyone? Okay. I sure hope you do not do this. Early in our marriage, this was a bone of contention between Rebecca and me. Uh, we would be lying on the couch reading books, and suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I would see her. She's looking, and then she flips to the back and begins to read. And the first time I saw this, I was incredulous. I, what are you doing? I have to know what happens. But you, you can't do that. You're going to ruin the suspense of the entire book. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't ruin it for me. And so the argument would go. And she would do this. over. Later she became sneakier about it because she would see me looking at her. But this is what she would do. Having studied our passage this morning, I stand corrected. I'm the one who is wrong and Rebecca is the one who is right. Because God in his word ends up telling us the end of the story. He flips to the last page of human history and he reads off exactly what's going to take place. When Christ returns, all those who have died in him will be raised and all those who are living and believing in Christ will join them. He tells us the end of the story. And knowing the end of the story, it changes our perspective on the present. God reveals the end in order to give us perspective on how we ought to view death and how we ought to view 
the life we are presently living. In this passage, God comforts us in the face of death, and he enables us to live lives of faith and love by pointing us to the hope of the resurrection. God fast-forwards, if you will, all the way to the end of human history, and he gives us a glimpse of what awaits us. He then rewinds to our present reality, and by doing so, he gives us courage and strength to face death and to face the difficulty of living in this world. We know our past. We're living in our present. We're not sure of the future, but we know for sure what happens at the end, and this gives us hope. First point this morning is this, resurrection hope in the face of death. Resurrection hope in the face of death. Like all of us, the Thessalonians are wrestling with, how are we to respond to death? Should we grieve? Should we be hopeful? Should we despair? Should we be agnostic? We just can't know and therefore we should just be stoic about it and face it not knowing what is coming? How should we respond to death? Death, in a very unique way, forces us to ask questions about who we are, what we're living for, and what all of this is about. And not wanting the Thessalonians or us to be uninformed about those who are asleep, and he uses this asleep language throughout, meaning dead, Paul lays out for them the process of what it, how a Christian should respond in the face of death. He starts by telling them, first off, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to grieve. But for the Christian, we're to grieve in a particular way. We are to grieve, but not as others do who have no hope. If you've ever been to a funeral of someone who is not a Christian, it can be a difficult event to attend. It's either filled with despair at the loss of someone, someone that those gathered have no hope of seeing again, and so therefore they despair For those without the hope of the resurrection, there is no hope of seeing this person again. And it leads them to utter hopelessness. Or rather than despair, it can be an an oddly light affair. It can be filled with empty platitudes. You know, he's in a better place or we're going to someday see her with the angels. It's just kind of filled with all these things that aren't rooted in any sort of truth that grounds these empty promises. They feel like wishful thinking. And so as you leave the service, you ask yourself, when I come to die, what hope will my loved ones have when they attend my funeral? Or more to the point, what hope will I have when I inevitably come to face death? There's a reason that Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 7.2, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For death is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. The funeral of a Christian is a completely different affair, as it should be. The funeral of a Christian is a time where we we celebrate the person's life, yes, and we also grieve, but we do so in a particular way. We, We point to where God has been at work in their lives, the memories that we've shared with them, the hope that we have that one day we will be reunited with them. Yes, we grieve, but we grieve with hope. We grieve, we weep, we miss them. There is a void in our lives and we know that we are going to one day see them again. But for now it hurts and it hurts sometimes for years. But the grief that follows the death of a Christian is not a grief that leads to despair or utter hopelessness. 
Nor do we attempt to overcome this grief through these empty platitudes. The grief of a Christian is a grief mixed with hope. Now this grief may initially be grief that is only tinged with hope. But as we walk through this process of grieving, and it is a process that we must walk through, that grief more and more is not just tinged with hope, but is filled with hope. Yes, we grieve, but we grieve with hope. As Christians, we grieve, but we grieve as those with the hope of the resurrection. Now this begs the question, what exactly is the hope of the Christian? What, what could possibly give us hope in the face of death? Paul tells us in verse 14, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. We can have hope in the face of death because Jesus has faced death for us. He took the punishment that we deserved in our place. He was our substitute on the cross. He suffered the death that we deserved. But he not only died for us, he on the third day rose for us. Therefore, we can have confidence that he has defeated sin and death. Death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. Sin and death could not defeat him. In and through Christ, sin and death, the great fear of all mankind has been defeated. Therefore, we have hope in the face of death. When we place our faith in Christ, we are united with him. We become one with him. We're united with him by faith. Therefore, his death is our death. And his resurrection is our resurrection. United with him, we now have nothing to fear. When we come to die, our death will be, not be a moment of terror, wondering what is going to happen the other side of the grave. We can face death with confidence, knowing that as Christ has passed through death into life, we united with him will have life the other side of death. Friends, this is our hope. It's our hope in the face of death. And Paul says we ought to encourage one another with these words. My question for you is this. What hope will you have when you come to face death? Whether that be your death or the death of someone you love. We've been confronted with death more in the last year than most of us probably have in our entire lifetimes. Along with the normal death of loved ones lost, we also are facing over 500,000 people in our country dying from covid some of us have lost loved ones and friends. Others have just simply been brought face to face, face to face with our own mortality. COVID has forced us to consider that we too will come to die. Confronted with death in this way, have you laid it to heart? Have you considered your end? Have you contemplated what hope you have in the face of death? It's worth noting the hope of our opening verses is a hope given to those who die in Christ. Hope is offered to those who die united to Christ by faith. Are you in Christ this morning? Have you laid hold by faith to his death for you and his resurrection for you? Is this where you stand before God? United with him. If you are united with him, you therefore have nothing to fear. United with him, when you come to die, you can face fear without death. And for those you leave behind, they too can grieve, yes, but they will grieve with the hope 
of the resurrection. Do you have this hope this morning? And to those who have lost loved ones in Christ, I am genuinely sorry for your loss. There is no, no, there are no words that I could speak to you that can take away the pain of losing someone in this life. There are no words that I can offer you that will remove in this life the pain of losing someone dear to you that you love. Your one hope and our one hope is this. That those who die in Christ we will one day see again. Death, death does not have the final word. Resurrection life in Christ has the final word. This is our hope. Hold fast to that hope. Live in light of that hope. And it will comfort you in the face of loss. Christ's resurrection from the dead, it gives us hope in the face of death. The hope of the resurrection also has implications for how we ought to live our lives today. A second point is this, living in light of our resurrection hope. Let me read, and you can join me looking in your bulletin there, verses 5 verses 1 through 11. Living in light of our resurrection hope. Now concerning the time and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So Paul shifts gears here in 5, 1 through 11. He's still focusing on the resurrection, but he's shifting towards how we ought to live our lives day in and day out in light of this resurrection hope. He begins by addressing the question, when will this all take place? When will Christ return? And to answer this question, he points to the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels that no one knows the day or the hour when Christ will return. Rather, it will come like a thief in the night. He then sets up this contrast between those who have believed in Christ who are what he calls children of light and those who have not yet believed that are still walking in darkness. And those who walk in darkness, they, they live ignorantly. They live unaware of Christ's impending return. They live life saying there is peace, there is security, unaware that Christ's return will come upon them like a thief in the night, like labor pains come upon a pregnant woman suddenly, without warning, and painfully. Those who walk in darkness, they are, they're lulled to sleep by a false sense of security. Drunk with the talk of peace and security, they are dull to the reality that judgment is coming swiftly 
and they do not know that it's coming. And sadly for those living in darkness, by the time they realize what, it is, what is happening, it will be too late for them. Christ will return without warning, and when he does, he will bring judgment and condemnation with him. But this isn't the case for children of light, children of the day. Unlike those walking in darkness, children of light keep awake and they are sober. For children of light, Christ's return, it will never catch us off guard. We're living in light of that resurrection hope. We know what is coming, therefore we're sober and awake, awaiting the return of Christ for us. Have you ever watched a movie all the way through, and just when you think you understand what is happening, suddenly some event, some, some turn of events happens, and what you thought was happening is not happening at all. It's like the lights get kicked on, and you've been walking in darkness the entire time, and suddenly you see, ah, this is what is truly happening. So, spoiler alert, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's dad. I don't know if you guys knew this. If you watch The Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis is dead the entire time. You guys know this? All right. Shawshank Redemption. Andy Dufresne, he didn't hang himself in his cell. And when the warden throws that rock, you suddenly know he's not dead. That guy is gone. He has escaped from prison. Here's the point. Once you've seen these endings, you can't unsee them. And you can never watch these movies, therefore, in the same way again. Each time you rewatch the movie, you see it now with new eyes. You're in the light. You know what's coming. Therefore, you see all the details of that movie in a completely different way. You are walking in the light, if you will, seeing things that you were unable to see before. And this is God's purpose in showing us the end of the story. He wants us to walk in the light. Rather than walking in darkness, wondering what happens at the end of human history, we get to walk in the light confident, knowing exactly what happens when Christ returns. Paul tells us in verse 8 what it looks like to walk as children of the light. What does it look like to walk as those who walk in the light of the resurrection? He says, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. As children of the light, yes, we are sobered by the reality of Christ's return. We know that when Christ returns, he is bringing judgment with him. However, as children of the light, we also look to that day with hope because that judgment isn't coming for us. We have the hope of resurrection, life, and salvation. Therefore, we can embrace this life and all the challenges of this life with faith, love, and hope. In fact, these three traits are to be worn like armor. Enabling us to resist the temptation to live as though this life is all there is. By faith, we can rest in this life in Christ. By faith, we can hold fast to the hope of our salvation, the hope of eternal resurrection life in Christ. And by faith, we can love those around us as we ourselves have been loved by God. And what's the basis of this faith, love, and hope-filled sobriety? Verses 9 and 10 For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Because Jesus has taken wrath against our sin, we are free to extend love and forgiveness to all those around us. 
By faith, we no longer fear death because we are holding fast to the hope of the resurrection, which enabled us, whether we are awake or asleep, whether we are living or dead, to live in unbroken fellowship with God. The lyrics of the final verse of In Christ Alone, which we're going to sing in just a few moments, captures this resurrection hope. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. And again I ask you, do you have this hope? For those who die without faith in Christ, death is a thing to be feared. It is something that ought to terrify us. Because death apart from Christ means we are going to face God and his judgment and his wrath. Do you have the hope of Christ? Are you ready to face Christ? Or, as this passage says, are you asleep? Are you living with a false sense of peace and security? Awake from this this slumber is what this passage calls you to. To wake up from the slumber of peace and security. Come to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not delay. Please do not say to yourself, I will put this off. I can wait until later. I'll live my life now and enjoy the pleasures of this life now, and then I'll circle back around when life comes to an end and I'll make things right with God. The reality is we do not know the number of our days. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. And also we have no idea when Christ will return. And when he does, he will come like a thief in the night. And for those who are not in Christ, it will be too late. Do not wait. Turn to Christ and receive the life he offers. For the Christian here this morning, are you living soberly in light of your resurrection hope, a life characterized by faith, love, and hope? Here's how we'll know. When we begin to live in light of our resurrection hope, we will find that this world will begin to loosen its grip on us. It's so easy for us to forget the hope that we have, and so we begin to live as though this world is the only hope that we have. And so we begin to hold on to it, to to press into it, to make it do things for us that it cannot possibly do. And in those moments, we've forgotten what our resurrection hope is. But as children of the light, we have the freedom to live differently The resurrection of Christ, it reminds us that we have a greater and more lasting treasure that awaits us in the future. When we flip to the last page of the book, when we fast forward to the final scene of human history, it reminds us that is what we are living for. We are not living for today. Therefore, we can hold loosely all of the things that we treasure in this life. We can live by faith for that day rather than living anxiously, hoping that this world will work out for us. We can live with love, willingly foregoing, serving ourselves to serve others because we recognize everything we forego now will be paid to us tenfold in the life to come. That's what it looks like to live in light of our resurrection hope. My hope is that each of us today will be reminded we have hope and that we will begin to live not just today, not just Easter, not just one time per year, but every day of our lives in light of that resurrection hope. That that day will change the perspective we live every day here. 
That as we remind ourselves of our resurrection hope, we will be both sobered but also enlivened. Friends, this is a joyful thing. Yes, it should sober us, but it should also fill us with life and hope. Life and hope that allows us to love others now, to live by faith now, because we have a hope that can never be taken from us, the hope of our future resurrection. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you that we have this hope. Thank you that not even death can rob it from us. Father, I pray that you would comfort each person here this morning who has looked death in the face, whether it be this year or at some time in their life. May they look at that death and that pain now with a fresh resurrection hope. And Father, may each of us begin to live more and more in light of that day. Father, maybe for the first time someone may be turning to you in faith. May they live in light of that day. And for those who know you and love you, may we not forget that it's that day we are living for, the day of resurrection hope. And may it allow us to live by faith and love as we hold fast to that hope. In Christ's name, amen.